Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on November 1st, 2015, on the basis of Revelation 7, verses 9 through 17. Does it ever seem to you as though faith is too focused on the future? Does it ever seem as though this Christianity thing is a little bit too much sort of pie in the sky, in the end it'll all work out, in the meantime just grin and bear it sort of talk? Does it ever seem as though we should spend a little bit more time and attention talking about things going on right here, right now? How we can do a better job of being the people that God wants us to be. How we can make our lives and make the world a better place. How we can solve some of the world's problems like hunger, poverty, social injustice. If so, you're in pretty good company. You see, if the trend holds true this morning, a full 80% of our nation's population will do something other than go to church. And I would imagine that for a good percentage of that 80%, it's for that very reason. It's because at some point along the line, they became convinced that, sure, all of this talk about heaven and eternity, yeah, it's nice and all, but going to church just doesn't make a big enough difference right here, right now, and so they don't. In fact, I can't help but think to myself that the Apostle John was maybe tempted to think exactly that way after he had written that last sentence and put that final period on the very last book of the Bible, the one that we know as Revelation. You know, lots of times we're, we're tempted to think that this book of the Bible called Revelation is very, very complicated and very mysterious. If you were in our Bible class this morning, you, you would probably agree with that sentiment, right? We were talking a little bit about Revelation. But in a lot of ways, it's a very simple book with a very simple message. And that message is this. During the last days, life on earth will be full of every trouble imaginable. It will never be fixed. It will never get better. But then Jesus will come back and all the Christians will go to heaven. That's the cycle of events that the Apostle John saw in this book over and over and over again. And I can't help but think that at the end of it, he was sort of left to wonder, God, that's it? Life on earth will always be bad, and the only thing that we really have to look forward to is heaven? That's it? The verses that are in front of us today are sort of a perfect example of that. Just prior to these verses, John had seen this vision of four riders going out into the earth, riding on four horses. If you've ever heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, these are those guys. So they go out into the world and they bring with them every trouble imaginable. Terrifying images, John sees. So as we think about things like soldiers going off to war, and coming home in wooden boxes. As we think about black-clad members of ISIS brutally beheading Christians, as we think about terminally ill patients in hospital beds writhing in pain, as we think about children starving or sick because they don't have food or don't have clean water, those are exactly the kinds of things that the Apostle John saw. To call it a bad dream would be an understatement. But here's the interesting thing. In spite of all of those problems, John saw life on earth continue to go on. 
people put up with it. People were willing to continue their lives. There was just one thing that happened that caused them to stop dead in their tracks. One thing that caused them to stop what they were doing and run and hide. One thing that caused them to run for the hills or hide in caves. One thing that caused them to say to the mountains, fall on us, hide us, and that was Jesus' return on the last day. The thought of standing before Jesus, the righteous judge, with all of their sins exposed in plain sight. The thought of Jesus pouring out all of his wrath against those sins. Everything else that might have been going on on earth, all of those problems, yeah, maybe they were like a bad dream. But, but to the people living on earth, this was their worst nightmare. Does that sound a bit strange to you? I'm guessing that when you think about your worst nightmare, you have something very specific in mind. When I was a kid growing up, my worst nightmare was always drowning. The thought of drowning just scared me to death. But then I became a parent. And of course, your worst nightmare at that point becomes something terrible happening to one of your children. But then I became a pastor, and my worst nightmare changed again. Now the nightmare that I get frequently on Saturday nights is that I sleep in on Sunday mornings. Or that I show up for church completely unprepared with absolutely nothing to say. Sorry, kids, you're not quite as high on the list as you used to be, I guess. <laughs> Whatever your worst nightmare might be, I'm going to suggest that on the basis of these verses, there's actually something that's even worse. And it's the thought of all of our sins being exposed in plain sight. These verses lead us to picture ourselves wearing, wearing that robe. And our entire track record, our entire history of behavior being visible on that robe. Every single sin being displayed on our sleeves. Every sin exposed in plain sight. Does that terrify you like it does me? I think normally we can sort of group our sins into three different categories. There are the sins that everybody knows about. We try and minimize that group as much as we possibly can. Then there are the sins that only those who are the very closest to us in life get to see. Our spouse, our children, our parents, our families. By the way, if there's one reason why Jesus needs to be the center of your home, this is it. It's because a family is nothing more than a group of people who gets to see the sins that no one else sees. A group of people that sees one another at their very worst. And therefore, a family must be a group of people that is very, very good at doing one of the most difficult things in life, and that's forgiving one another. So you've got the sins that everybody sees, you've got the sins that only your family sees, and then you've got the sins that nobody gets to see. The sins that you know about that no one else does. Imagine that all of those sins were on display. Picture that conversation that you have with a good friend about that classmate of yours that's a little bit annoying. Picture that conversation being played back for that person to hear. Or what if that temper-filled tirade that you went on with your kids was captured on video and then played back on a big screen in front of a room of all of your family and friends? What if your thoughts that, that you never let anyone else in on those secret thoughts are posted on your Facebook wall for anyone to see. Does that terrify you? It terrifies me. Do you think your friends would still be your friends? Do you think your family members would still invite you over for Thanksgiving dinner? And that's with people who have sins of their own 
Now think about the day that will one day come for all of us when we will stand before Jesus, the righteous judge, and all of those sins will be on display when our record will in fact be our robe and when our eternity will be decided based on how that robe looks. Every other problem that might happen to us in life might seem like a bad dream, but standing before Jesus with nothing hiding our sins, far and away that's our worst nightmare. Hands down, our biggest problem. So can there be anything more important in life than its solution? You know, as a church, we might give all kinds of time and all kinds of attention to all kinds of things, trying to be the better people that God wants us to be, teaching our kids manners and respect, doing our small part to try and end things like poverty and hunger and social injustice. But what if... What if every single week a group of people walked out that door completely confident of where they stand with God and where they're going when they die? What if every single week a group of people walked out that door 100% certain that when Jesus looks at your robe, even right now, he is perfectly pleased? What if every single week a group of people went out that door into their homes into their jobs, into the world with complete peace of mind, with nothing to prove to anyone out there, with nothing to gain from anyone out there, without anxiety, without insecurity, total peace of mind. Do you think that would make an impact on your life and on the lives of everyone that you come into contact with? Do you think that there's anything more important than we could spend our time on Sunday mornings here doing? I don't. But do you think it's possible? You know, some people would say that that thought of being 100% confident of your salvation is impossible. It's beyond anyone's wildest dreams. And some people would say that someone who claimed to have that confidence, to be 100% certain of where they stand with God, boy, that's the most arrogant person in the world. But look at what John sees after seeing all of those bad things happen on earth, after seeing Jesus return on the last day and all of those people run in terror, John sees a multitude of people standing in heaven. This crowd of people standing before Jesus, not running away, not falling down in terror, but boldly standing right in the presence of Jesus. And here's the good news. It's not just a few of them. It's not just a handful. It's not just the very best of the best. This is a multitude that no one can count. A multitude so big that it defies calculation. And the people in that group come from every nation under heaven. Does that give you hope? Does that give you confidence that one day you'll be in that multitude? You have to like your odds, right? But here's the question we need to consider this morning. Do really good odds, even the best of odds, lead to complete certainty. Think about it this way. Right now there are about 7 billion people living on the face of the earth. What if Jesus said, okay, 
Here's what's going to happen. I am going to allow into heaven 6,999,999,999 of them. Just one gets left out. Just the very worst sinner won't get in. Do you know who you and I would assume that that sinner is? If I tried to count up the sins on my sleeve, and then I tried to count up the sins on your sleeve, who do you think would have more? If you tried to count up the sins on your sleeve and then tried to count up the sins on my sleeve, who do you think would have more? Each one of us knows our own sins far better than we know anyone else's. And so each of us, at least at times, would think that even if just one person gets left out, guess who it's going to be? Are you going to be a part of that multitude someday? Even the greatest of odds can only lead us to say, maybe, probably, I sure hope so. Only one thing can give us absolute certainty. And John is told what that is. He pictures that robe, that that multitude dressed in white, and the elder standing next to him says, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, I know that seems strange. You take a robe that is completely filthy, every inch covered by the stain of our sin, and you wash it in blood? And of course, because it's covered, you can't just take a little cotton swab and sort of dab one little corner of it. You can't take a washcloth and just scrub one little bit. You have to immerse the entire thing in blood. You have to put it in a washing machine full of blood so that that thing that's in the middle, what do they call that? The agitator? So that the agitator can agitate that big pool of blood round and round it goes and then you pull that robe out and it's perfectly white because this is the blood of the Lamb. God's own Son, Jesus Christ, who clothed himself in our humanity, who clothed himself in all of our sins, who took upon himself the punishment that we deserved, laid down his life as a sacrifice, and shed his blood all over that wooden cross. That blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, has in it a cleansing power that your best efforts, your good intentions, and all of your pious deeds will never have. You wash your robe in that blood and it's guaranteed to come out clean. You put your hope and your trust in the blood of the Lamb and you are guaranteed to be a part of that multitude. You wash your robe in the blood of the Lamb and what many people would consider beyond their wildest dreams, having complete confidence in their salvation, that dream becomes a dream come true. Our salvation is that certain. Those who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb come out dazzling white and clean. And guess what? After doing all of that, God promises He's going to fix everything else too. After solving our biggest problem, just for good measure, He throws in everything else that we could possibly want. He promises He's going to end hunger. He promises he's going to end thirst. He's going to shield us from everything that could ever harm us. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes because one day that lamb, that lamb that so lovingly poured out his blood for us, that lamb that causes the people of the earth to run and hide, that lamb for us will be our shepherd. 
in the eternal pastures of heaven. And so that thing that's beyond our wildest dreams, having complete confidence in our salvation, not only is that a dream come true, but friends, that is a dream from which you will never have to wake up. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org. Thank you.